The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. You must fight with God until you surrender. Whatever it takes, whatever it will mean in your life, the one you truly must fight with is the Lord God of heaven. After you have finished that fight, you will be empowered to deal with the spirits of darkness. Now, I am absolutely convinced, out of my prayer time, listening in the, in the spirit, a demon spirit has been released over America. What we are seeing in the destruction of our cities, what we are watching as death rules and fires burn, 
This is not just about the death of this dear George Floyd. This is much bigger. Yes, there are human agents that are fanning the flames, like piling piles of bricks for easy access to the protesters. There are evil men and women, but this is being driven by an evil spirit. And you will have no ability to deal with this evil spirit if you have not first fought with Almighty God until you surrendered, until you have been taken into his presence and he has blessed you It is time for prayer vigils. I've already prayed with three people today. I'm going to pray again on the air. This afternoon, I already have two more prayer sessions. It's time to pray. To gather and pray with brothers and sisters, to pray for one another, to deal to the bottom with the issues that are standing before us. America is at the brink of destruction, and the church, the American church, has sinned so grievously against the Lord God of heaven and so compromised the gospel that it has no power. Oh, words are cheap. The Apostle Paul was very clear. This is not a matter of words. This is a matter of power. Do you have that power? Does your pastor have that power? Does your pastor have the reputation that if you go to him to pray, you know God will answer? you know he has access to the throne room of God? Or is he shut out of the throne room and simply a comic, a caricature, a hireling? Someone called me last night and said, Pastor, I had a some problem with your broadcast yesterday. It seemed to me you were being very hard on the pastors. This is not just the pastors. The pastors have been afraid to preach because if they do, they'll be fired by their churches. That is true. That is true. This is not just a pastor problem, but I can tell you now that a church will rise no higher than its pastor. We must all seek the face of God. I have much I want to share with you today about fighting with God. But first, let's pray. Almighty God, the prophecies of my dear father in the faith, David Wilkerson, are being fulfilled as Macy's in Times Square is being looted, as the city of New York is going up in flames, as police officers are dying, as protesters are dying. Lord, it's like a war zone in our cities. And there is a demonic power that is moving to control and direct the affairs of men who have never fought with you and never surrendered to you. So, Lord, I come today to the church to the church of America. I know you love the church. I know the church is your body. But you said you are dead. You are dead. Repent. 
So, Lord, I come with humility and heartbrokenness before you today with brothers and sisters to say, Oh, Lord, have mercy upon your people. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, some of you are going to be troubled by this broadcast today because you have never considered that you must fight with God. Many of you have very real hatred in your hearts for God. You're angry with him. You're angry with your circumstances. You're angry with your church. You're just angry. And I know that there is exceeding great pain across America. Many of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have lost your companies, your restaurants, your your dry cleaners. Some of you are at an utter end of your ability to provide for yourselves even food. I'm very grateful to those of you who in this time of great difficulty have continued to support Pilgrim's Progress radio broadcast. I can't thank you enough. I know times are hard. But I know now is the time to fight with God. I know that if we do not fight with God until we surrender, we will die. And all will be lost. It is no longer a time when we can just sit back and have the easy life and call ourselves Christians. That time is gone. Between the false pandemic and the rioting in the streets, we're going to see other catastrophic things unfold in our nation. Volcanoes, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes. We're going to see other diseases. We're going to see murder and suicide. Our hearts are going to be pierced with the darkness. And all of this being guided and directed by demonic spirits. As one dear sister said, it's time to fast and pray and hold prayer vigils at midnight. It's time to repent. It's time to get right with God. So I want to share with you the story today of one man who who ended up fighting with God. This man had incredible revelations from heaven. He stole the birthright. Yes, Jacob, heel grabber. His brother was so angry when he stole his blessing that he planned to murder Jacob. And Rachel sent him packing to Uncle Laban's house. For the next 20 years, he would labor. But he had a revelation. He was laying down to sleep without a camel loaded with goods as as Abraham had sent out his servant to find a wife for Isaac. He had the clothes on his back and a stick to walk with. And that night he lay down with a stone as a pillow. And the Lord God of heaven came. And he saw a staircase reaching from earth to heaven, and Jesus, the Lord God of heaven, standing there. And he made a covenant with God 
that if he would provide for him, he would give God a tenth. This was Jesus promising the salvation of the world, that he would come in power. Jesus is that staircase through the portal of the sky into heaven. Remember Nathaniel came to Jesus and Jesus said, Oh, look, an Israelite without guile. How do you know me? I saw you while you were under the fig tree. And Nathaniel was astonished and said, You truly are the Son of God. Jesus answered, you will see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, this Jacob, after working for 20 years, finally has had enough. The Lord comes to him and says, Now go home. He does not do it with honor. He fears Laban. He he knows that he does that Jacob does not have an army, but Laban does, all the hired servants, probably 300 or more. Jacob is afraid that his wives and children will be taken from him and the flocks and the herds will be taken. So he runs. He runs. Laban comes after him. The Lord tells Laban, don't say anything good or bad to Jacob. Jacob is under the protecting wing of Almighty God, but he has not, he has not surrendered. Chapter 32, the book of Genesis we find the angels of God meeting Jacob when he comes to the promised land. He sees them. Jacob can see in the spirit realm. He sends messengers ahead to his brother Esau in the land of Sur. He instructs them, this is what you're to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I've been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants, maid servants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. Oh, he calls him Lord now. And he asks for favor. So the messengers go to Esau and then return to Jacob and say Esau is now coming to meet you and he has 400 men with him these are armed men servants of Esau in great fear and distress Jacob divides the people who were with him into two groups the flocks and the herds and the camels as well the scriptures say he thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that's left may may escape. It's all human stuff. Figuring out how I can protect myself, how I can keep what is so precious to me. And then we find Jacob praying. I want to go through that prayer with you. O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid. I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and make your descendants like the sand of the sea, 
which cannot be counted. I want to look at this prayer. It's it's fascinating to me. It's not a prayer that God is willing to answer directly. He has to come and deal with Jacob's heart. You notice in this prayer, he is correct in praying to the God of his fathers. He's correct in saying, Lord, you're the one who told me to go back to my country and my relatives. You're the one who said, I will make you prosper. Oh, do you see? He is still about money. He is still about prospering. He is still about his flesh. He is still about what he wants. He admits that he's unworthy of what God has done for him. He knows he didn't have anything when he entered this country. But now he says, save me. Save me, O God. You said you would make me prosper. Save me, O God. Is God interested in prospering Jacob? Yes. He's interested in prospering Jacob in order to fulfill the plan that God has for Jacob and the twelve the twelve sons that will come forth from Jacob. At this point, he only has eleven sons. Joseph has not yet been born. Now, the scriptures tell us that he spent the night there. But he selected gifts for his brother. He's not finished with his stuff. He selects gifts, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. Do you understand? This is money. They had money on the hoof. They would sell their livestock for silver and gold. This is an extremely valuable gift he is sending to his brother Esau. He is hoping somehow that he can buy off his brother's anger with his money. He tells them to go on ahead of him. He sends them out. That night he sends them out to begin the journey to meet brother Esau. When my brother Esau meets you and asks, to whom do you belong and, and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you? You're to say they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau and he is coming behind us. You know, I've, I've talked with some who say, oh, the Lord will provide for me. Quick, let me apply for food stamps. What? You believe that God will care for you, and then you apply for food stamps? You don't get food stamps in the closet of prayer. No, what you're doing is trying to cover yourself and protect yourself, like Esau is coming to devour you, and you must send him gifts. You must... You must ask Pharaoh for his favor. Now, I'm not saying that Christians should not take food stamps, but I am saying the only way you should receive food stamps is if the Lord God of heaven directly instructs you to apply for food stamps. I don't I don't believe in asking the government for handouts for any reason. I believe in going to the Lord God Almighty and there dealing with Jesus until I'm clear about what he's directing me to do and to be. Unfortunately, today, Many of you are married to the government. You're married to the welfare. Some of you even have additional children so you can get 
more welfare money. And where is your husband, my dear? Where is your husband? He's abdicated his responsibilities. And you are married to the government. The government is not a very good husband. He's doing what he thinks he has to do to buy himself what he needs to buy. Doesn't matter how he has to do it, just buy favor if that's what's necessary. Verse 20, be sure to say your servant Jacob is coming behind us, for he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I'm sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. We cannot bribe God. Did you hear me? We cannot bribe God. Jacob prays and he asks for the gift of safety and prosperity. But you notice God did not answer his prayers. There was no answer. The heavens were shut up and dark and night was upon him. Now what is he going to do? He takes his two wives, his two maidservants, his eleven sons, and he helped them cross the ford of the Jabrook. And after he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. And now Jacob is left alone. And suddenly in the dark, his worst fear is realized. A man grabs him. No doubt thinking that it was Esau who was attacking him. He fights with this man. He wrestles with him. The dust is flying. The blows are being landed. The grunts of pain and struggle are heard. This is a fight. This is not a casual encounter. This is a desperate fight with Jacob. He doesn't realize yet that his true enemy is not Esau. It is not Esau that Jacob needs to fear. There is another one to be terrified of. He was the enemy who came in the night to fight with Jacob. He was the Lord God of heaven. He came to fight with Jacob. Now I praise God he came to fight with Jacob because had he not come and fought with Jacob, Esau would have killed him. You too must fight with God. You must fight with God until you are willing to surrender. I am greatly dismayed as I speak with people. People are filled with... I'm speaking now of Christian people. They're so filled with their own ideas. They're so filled with their own research. They're so filled with their intellectual abilities. But so utterly devoid of the spirit of the living God. No power in the prayer closet. No power to move God's heart. Because they've never fought with God. They're still thinking, and in their thinking ability, they have great amounts of information and knowledge, 
but no Holy Spirit power. They don't understand that God is their enemy. Why would God be their enemy? Because they are self-sufficient. They are full of their own plans. They're full of their own understandings. They've never humbled and broken their heart before Almighty God. And until the man's heart is broken before God, until he is humbled before God, God cannot save him. I've been humbled so before Almighty God. And it was always my fault. It was always my pride. It was always my self-sufficiency that brought me into circumstances that utterly crushed my heart and broke me and broke me and broke me. I'm in that place now. Utterly broken before God. On my face. Crying out to Jesus for America and for the church. For you. I hope to soon talk with you about what I'm going to do. I want to start a weeknight meeting as a boot camp for revival. A boot camp for the Holy Spirit. I'll talk more about it later. For men and women who have been broken and humbled and are now ready to pay whatever price they have to pay to receive the fullness of Pentecost. I can tell you now that the crucifixion of Jesus broke the disciples, broke Peter's heart. All they could do was weep at his rebellion his self-assurance, his pride, his arrogance. After three and a half years with Jesus, still filled with, I'll never desert you. Oh, yes, you will, Peter, three times. Before the crow three, crows three times, you will deny me. Oh, yes, Peter, you will deny me. Satan has asked if he could sift you. But when you come through... Encourage the brothers. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, yes, I love you. Care for my sheep, my lambs. Peter, do you really love me? Oh, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. And from that point until the time he was crucified, humble of heart. Yes, he made mistakes when he catered to the Jewish legal system and Paul had to rebuke him publicly. Another breaking. This fighting with God is not easy. It takes a great deal of courage. It's what the American church must do if we are to survive and do the work of God in this land. We must be broken and broken and broken, humbled before God. Jacob is alone and a man is attacking him. God is attacking Jacob. 
I want you to hear that. God will come and attack you. They wrestled and fought bitterly. Jacob was a powerful man. And he fought until daybreak. I love Jacob because he would not stop fighting. There was no quit in his heart. I love Jacob because he doesn't quit. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You see, now Jacob realizes who he's been fighting with all night. He's been fighting with God. But there's still no quit in Jacob's heart. But there is absolute surrender and submission. His prayer is not that I could overcome God. His prayer is that you bless me, O God. He finally has come to the utter end of his own ability to win the fight with God. And all I can say is, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm going to hang on to you until you bless me, O God. Some of you need to come to that place. All of us must go to that place. That is where I am. I am clinging on to Jesus, and I am saying, Jesus, I will not let you go until you bless me with the fullness of Pentecost. The Lord has miraculously provided for me food and shelter. I'm not on salary. I have only what the Lord sends me. I'm not allowed to ask anyone or tell anyone what my needs are. He has gloriously provided for me. But that is not enough for me. I must have the full blessing of Jesus Christ in Pentecost power for the salvation of the lost and the dying. I'm a lot like Jacob. I too have been a heel grabber all of my life, reaching out for the next opportunity, ambitious for success. It's all foolishness. And when God comes and grabs you and you begin to fight, for your survival you begin to fight for your food you begin to fight for every everything you need you you think you're going to die and you won't let this powerful man overcome you until finally you realize you're fighting with god i will not let you go unless you bless me And then the man asks him, What is your name? Jacob. Heel grabber. And the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Overcomer. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. He replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. I don't know what he said in his blessing, but he blessed Jacob, even as Isaac had blessed him. Oh, I want that blessing of Jesus on my heart, on my life. 
on my ministry, on this radio broadcast, on these YouTube videos, on these podcasts. I need the blessing of Jesus. And I'm not going to let him go until he blesses me. He has wrenched my hip out of its socket as well. And all I can do today is limp in the spirit. Jacob calls the place Penel, meaning face of God. He said, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. It was not Esau who could kill him. It was Jesus who could kill him. Jesus came and fought with him. He was seen face to face. And he was limping. He looked up. And he saw Esau coming. The cloud of dust. Four hundred armed men. He quickly divides the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. The maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children, and then Rachel and Joseph, while he himself goes on ahead. And in terrible agony, with his face straight, I'm sure with tears, dusty, dirty from the fight. He bows down to the ground before his brothers approach seven times. Absolutely humble of heart. All the arrogance is gone. All the self-assurance is gone. All the human ability to be a strong fighter is gone. He has submitted to the Lord God of heaven, and he now can only walk in the power of the living God, for he has none left of his own. Esau gets off his horse and runs to meet Jacob, who is stumbling. He throws his arms around him. He kisses his broken brother. What a picture! They stand weeping together with their arms around each other. something only God could do. That's something only God could do. My brother, my sister, when we fight with God, it means that we give up our self-sufficiency, our pride, our anger. We forgive those who have harmed us. We simply write off their debt to us. I have people who have owed me sums of money and the Lord has said to me forgive them I've had thousands of dollars taken from me and the Lord has said to me forgive them don't take any legal recourse don't fight Let them go. Don't keep calling them. 
Don't try to change them. It's part of what must happen to humble your heart. I have experienced in my life the loss of friends and family. I have experienced in my life the loss of great opportunity. I have turned down wonderful business propositions. Because all I want is Jesus. And now I cling to Jesus. And I will not let go until he blesses me. I am yet in a struggle with God. I could go on as though everything was fine, get the consultants necessary to build the church and the radio. No. Either God builds the house or the house isn't going to be built. Either God draws your heart to the boot camp for revival or there will be no revival. I'm not going to try to convince you. My hip is out of joint. Not my physical hip. My spiritual hip is out of joint. I have no power left. Anything that I have, any power I have with God in the prayer closet, is simply his wondrous grace to me. His mercy. His long-suffering. I will not make of God an enemy. I will submit in every area, in every way, I don't I don't know what to do except to cling to Jesus. He is everything to me. And his blessing is absolutely vital for us in the church before we can influence the world. We have been scorned and laughed at by the world because we have set about to build the tower, but we did not consider the cost. We did not consider the narrowness of the gate through which we must enter to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so we have been laughed at because we have lost our saltiness in this culture. And when you lose your saltiness, you're good for nothing, not even good to put on the manure pile. You're just... You're nothing. Have you fought with God yet? Have you surrendered to his breaking in your life? Or are you still fighting and angry and bitter? Are you still pretending that life is fine and everything's going to return to normal? Life is not going to return to normal in America. Oh yes, we'll have prosperity again, but it will not be normal. We have on one side the police state. We have on the other side the social tyranny of communism. I'm not going to buy into either one. 
I've already cast my ballot for Jesus. He is my Lord and my Savior. Mighty God of heaven, I come today humbly before you, recognizing that I have fought with you and that I can fight no longer. Now, Jesus, all I can do is cling to you, humbled and broken. All I can do is cling to you, Jesus, and ask for your blessing and wait upon you for that that blessing. I know that you are the blessing, Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life. There is no life outside of you. And so I come today saying, Lord, I am yours to be used as you choose in this battle against darkness. Lord, I pray that your church will rise up in the blessing of Jesus and you will give us authority over the demonic powers that are ripping America apart. And that you will teach us how to pray. You will teach us how to fast and hold prayer vigils and solemn assemblies and boot camps for revival. Lord, I pray you will teach us how to walk in the heavenlies. I know your plans for us are to prosper us. Come, please, Jesus. Prosper us in yourself with your presence. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. If you'd like to write to me, I'd love to hear from you. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go directly to our to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I want to tell you how much I love you, and I pray for you. I pray for the church. God bless you, my brother, my sister, as you fight this thing out with God. I'll talk to you soon.